go to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, and I'm just going to read verse 12, and also want you to go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33. So James 5 and verse 12, and then Matthew 5, beginning at verse 33. James 5, 12 says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath. Let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. In Matthew 5, verse 33, Again ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not swear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So the title of the message tonight is Avoiding Profane Speech. Avoiding Profane Speech. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. Thank you for the testimonies we shared tonight. I pray, Father, that you'd encourage our hearts and instruct us and teach us uh, concerning our speech and how to glorify you in it. And may we be helped and you glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible instructs us, of course, as God's children, to be careful with our words. Of course, James 3 is probably one of the lengthiest and most strongest passages in the Bible concerning the tongue. But some have raised questions, should a Christian swear under oath in a court of law? The Bible says here, swear not at all. Should we use oaths at all? Well, I hope to answer those questions and, examine our, and help us to examine our communication before the Lord that we might avoid profane speech. Now, one notice again, it says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Now, if you would take this passage and the one in Matthew by themselves, without comparing Scripture with Scripture, you would probably come to the conclusion that you ought not to ever make any kind of oath. Well, let's define a few terms here, and then we're going to look at a few things. First of all, to swear means to affirm, promise, or threaten with an oath. Of course, an oath is a solemn appeal to a deity or to some revered person or thing uh, to witness one's determination to speak the truth or to keep a promise. So that's an oath. It's to, it's to appeal to a deity. So when you swear, you appeal, you, you, you know, when you go to court, you're going to lay your hand on the Bible, and you swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. So you're appealing to the word of God, to God, to tell the truth. That's an oath. Uh, so to swear with an oath is to affirm or promise uh, with an appeal to a God or something revealed. And James here says that 
We are to let our yea be yea and our nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. The word condemnation here means hypocrisy or dissimulation. And to dissimulate means to disguise or conceal under a false appearance. So he's talking here about swearing under false pretenses or false appearances. And the reason I say that is, first of all, the Bible does not forbid the swearing of all oaths. Only against swearing deceptive, unwise, or flippant oaths. In fact, God himself swears oaths. Let's look at a few. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 73 says, and this is, of course, in the testimony of Elizabeth, I believe. Yeah. Uh, no, Zacharias, I'm sorry. And he says, The oath which he swear, speaking of God, which he swear to our father Abraham. And of course, that oath is found in the Old Testament scriptures. Go to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21 and verse 23. And there's a lots of these places, not a lot, but there's quite a few in the Bible you could look at, and I'm not going to look at them all tonight for sake of time, but... Genesis 21, verse 23 and 24, says, it came to, Now therefore swear unto me here by God, that thou wilt not deal false with my son, nor with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, and thou shalt do unto me, and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. Now this was Abraham making an uh, agreement or swearing with Abimelech concerning land and things, and, and, and that they would not do wrong to each other, nor to their sons, and so on and so forth. And they, did, they, they swore with an oath. And, and, and that, was, that was a common thing. Not a common thing, but something that was done. It was like a legal contract. It would be like you signing papers. Uh, Genesis 24 was the one we were looking at, verses 3 to 9. Actually, no, this isn't the one either. But here, Abraham makes his servant swear. In Genesis 24, verse 3, And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And in verse 9 it says, And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. Uh, and then in chapter 26, verse 28, chapter 26, verse 28, again, And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee, and we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, and even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee. But thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed of the Lord. And of course, they they did conceal that or did that with an oath. Um, look at First Kings chapter seventeen. First Kings chapter seventeen. In the ministry of Elijah, the prophet Elijah, uh, before Ahab 
In 1 Kings 17, verse 1 says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord of God of Israel liveth. What's he doing? He's swearing by the God of heaven. Before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. So he's giving this out with an oath. Uh, in Hebrews 3, verse 11, the Bible says, So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter in my wrath. So God, with an oath, said, The children of Israel who disobeyed me, who turned back in unbelief, will not go into the promised land. They will not. And he swore on it. He swore on it. Um, but the longest, the, 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 the greater one is in Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 and verse 13, 18. That's the one that I was referring to earlier that in, in Luke. In Hebrews 6, verse 13, for it says, When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he sware by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, for men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for, confirm, for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into the veil, that, is, that within the veil, whither the forerunners for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And of course, Melchizedek was uh, a priest forever, and the Lord uh, swore on that as well. Um, I didn't write that verse down, but... but uh, uh, Verse 11 says, If therefore perfection were by political priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further and void was there of another priest that should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Uh, for the priesthood being changed, there is made necessity of change also of the law. For he whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And, and so, again, uh, that he swear that he would be a priest forever. Verse 21, For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath, by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So we see here very plainly that the Lord used oaths on various occasions to confirm his word, to establish it. But again, these were not flippant or empty words just trying to add weight to everyday speech. You know, oaths were, you might say, rarely used. They were used as legal or binding contracts. And that's, that's what oaths should be used today. You know, in a court, if you swear under oath and lie... You commit what? Perjury. A felony. It's criminal. 
And so, uh, God himself used oaths on occasion, swear oaths. We see that very plainly in the Bible, and other men of God did as well. But I want you to notice also, the need to swear or make, make oaths uh, beyond a simple and clear yes or no betrays the weakness of one's words. Uh, in James chapter 5, it says, Above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Now, you have to understand a little bit of the times and the customs that were prevalent in that day, and really they still are, uh, just in a different way, were prevalent in that day uh, to understand what James is referring to and what Jesus is referring to in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, in, in fact, in, in uh, Luke 19, uh, Luke 19, not Luke, Leviticus 19, there's a cross-reference there for, for Genesis chapter 5, but Luke 19 he warns the children, the children of Israel warn about uh, swearing. In Luke 19 and verse 12, the Bible says there, And ye shall not swear by my name falsely. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. And so what James is referring to here is profaning or using commonly in everyday language, some oath. You see, it was common practice for Jews to say, well, by heaven or by earth, you know, they would proceed a statement with, you know, invoking heaven or earth or hell or something like that. You know, so they were using an oath in common everyday language to try and emphasize or to add sincerity or weight to their words. Somebody has said, the necessity to use oaths demonstrate there's not enough weight in one's character to confirm their own words. If you have to add oaths, it demonstrates your weakness and sincerity of your words. For example, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 74, the Bible says, Then began he to curse and swear, saying, I know not the man. Now, why did Peter, that was Peter, why did Peter need to swear? Why didn't you say, I don't know him? Because his statement was empty and false. And he added an oath with it to make it look, or to, to try and emphasize, or try to impress that it was, he was really telling the truth. And again, this is common in Jewish. Look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 16. Matthew 23 and verse 16 says, Woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools. And blind, for whether it's greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. You know, isn't that kind of hypocritical? 
Of course it is. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, whether it is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. And whosoever shall swear, whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God and him, by him that sitteth thereon. So Jesus was saying, look, you know, these were things that was common for the Jews to, to use as oaths or proceed a statement with an oath in their communication, which was just vain talk. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't a legal binding contract of sorts. If you read the classics like Ivanhoe, you're going to hear statements like, Well, if I saint so-and-so, I will, you know. And you hear it all the time. That's an oath. And it's really meaningless. It's empty. It's just It's just words. It's just words. They're just empty, vain words. Look at Matthew chapter 26. We see an example of this. Matthew chapter 26, verse 63. Jesus is before the high priest. In verse 62 it says, And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Now, to adjure means to charge, to bind, or command earnestly under oath or the threat of a penalty. So he's commanding Jesus under oath to tell him whether he's the Son of God or not. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Did he tell the truth? Well, of course he told the truth. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy, what further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. So that oath that he gave meant nothing. It meant nothing. It was just a means of getting what he wanted. Of course, common today is the use of God's name as an oath to enforce or add weight or emphasis to people's speech. You know, oh my, or they'll use Jesus Christ's name. And then, of course, there's the minced oaths. Instead of saying Jesus, they say G. Instead of saying God, it's gosh or golly. Instead of saying hell, they use the word heck. And instead of saying the word damn, they use darn or dang. In you late, I was thinking about that a little bit. It'd be like instead of drinking whiskey, let's drink beer. You know, whiskey's the harder stuff. 
I, I, not that I know that much about it. I had to look that up, see what, you know, what the difference was. It, it, whiskey is the harder stuff. It's the more, it's more um, harmful stuff. But, you know, they're both alcoholic and they're both harmful. And so are minced oaths. A minced oath, according to Wikipedia, is this. This is what Wikipedia, this is what the world describes a minced oath. A euphemistic expression formed by misspelling, mispronouncing, or replacing a part of a profane, blasphemous, or taboo term to reduce, to reduce the original term's objectional characteristics. Unquote. So a minced oath is a word that's used, to change the spelling a little bit, it's a word that's used in the place of another just to make it so that it isn't quite so bad sounding. But you know, it's profane, it's still profane. They're vain, empty oaths, profane. It's a mis, you know, something that is profane is a misuse of anything that should be held in respect. It's to defile it. And minced oaths are disrespectful to God. And these oaths that the Jews in that day, whom James here warns about, they, you know, they would say, and James tells them, you don't swear by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath. You know, if in your common, your common everyday conversation, just let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. You don't need any more than that. I want you to notice the third thing. We will be judged for our words. Notice... Verse 12 again, but above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. You know, taking the Lord's name in vain is a serious offense to God. Exodus 20, verse 7 says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Uh, Psalm 111, verse 9 says, He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverent is, reverend is his name. You know, and we ought to, as God's people, reverence the names of the Godhead. We ought not use any form of speech that mimics his name. We ought to be simply just people of our word. And Jesus, when speaking to the Pharisees here in Matthew chapter 5, he says we are to perform unto the Lord our oaths, but he commands us and says don't swear. Not by heaven, it is God's throne. Nor by earth, it's his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. That's where he's going to rule and reign. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, 
Because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Let your communication, and I believe when he's talking here about our communication, okay, our everyday language, I'm not talking about going to a court of law and laying your hand on the Bible. I'm not talking about that. I think we've seen that that's not what he's referring to here. Or a legal binding contract. You know, in, in, in Bible times, they didn't sign, go to a lawyer and sign papers like we do. Really, what we're, do, we're doing there is promising to keep an agreement, which really it's an oath. You know, when I signed at the, the bank for my house, I was promising, I was swearing that I was going to make those payments. Because if I reneged on it, I'd lose my house. No, he's saying here in, 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 in our communication, we're just to use, not to use oaths or swear, or, or swear by uh, any, anything like uh, uh, anything. Um, um, Ephesians 4, 29 and 30 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Your corrupt communication grieves the Spirit of God that dwells within us. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer Every man. Then, of course, Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 through 37. The Bible says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And every evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word, that's your empty, useless words, that so often we use as fillers. Now, I don't go around analyzing prayers, but it bugs me when a person prays, and Lord this and Lord that, and constantly using the Lord's name in his prayer. Because he uses it, they use it as a filler. It's not normal conversation. You know, our prayer should be normal conversation with God. But every idle word that men shall speak, the word of God says they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. You know, this is something that we really need to examine in our own life. It's easy to say things. But we have to remember everything we say we're going to give account in the day of judgment. You know, the proverb said, The fool uttereth his mind, but the wise man keepeth it in to afterward. We need to be careful what we say. We need to be careful of our communication. 
and be very cautious about using oaths. The Bible doesn't forbid oaths, but he warns us they ought to be used on rare occasions and not used in everyday communication. They're not to be used flippantly, only for very serious, like, legal purposes. But in our everyday speech, let your communication be yay, yay, or simply yes or no. May God help us to honor the Lord in our communication.